welcome to Beyond Beckdale, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. about film, feminism and having Zoom meetings. Um, it's not really lockdown here in the UK anymore. It's in some kind of weird in-between time. And I'm here with Nick again because I obviously can't find any women to speak to, so I'll speak to a man. Uh, how are you? I'm fine. Um, still feels like lockdown a little bit. Yeah, so in both of our uh, working roles, we've been working throughout this period um, from the uh, home office desk of a dining table. And um, now things are opening up, but still uh, I am continuing to work solely from home. So sometimes I do get a bit lonely. Um, so definitely time to make a podcast. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Don't want to be lonely. And it's been six weeks since the last episode, which I can't believe. But um, I'm trying to get guests together for season three. I've got a theme, I've got some ideas, but I kind of want to get it all together, record it, make it the best possible quality, and then release it in a schedule. So, But I also want to keep listeners happy with something to listen to. So I've roped you in again because you have opinions on things. There's no roping in. It's a pleasure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, because I wanted to talk about something that I've noticed recently and I wanted to see if you felt the same and whether we there's any psychological analysis to be had of our watching habits. TV because you haven't been able to go to the cinema. I think I've watched more on TV. I don't know if it's a result of me not being able to go to the cinema. I think it's a result of just being at home more and running out of things to do. There's only so much PS4 gaming you can do before you get before you actually just <laughs> want to watch a film. The thing about lockdown is you have more time on your hands. If you're not walking to work or, or 
you know, or going to work in any capacity or coming back. Or going out anywhere. Or going out or going to the gym or going to the pub or anywhere else. You just have more time on your your hands um, and you've got to fill it somehow. Film is a good way of doing it. Um, And you you always tend to watch more films than TV programs. Yeah, always, always. You want to talk quickly about what it is that you've got against TV. (laughs) What do I have against TV? I don't know if that's fair to say I have anything against TV. It, it just doesn't seem to suit me. Um, I think initially, um, and this is probably no longer fair, I should say, I, I just found the quality of TV to be sub- substantially below the quality of film. Um, it's going back years and years we're talking about, talking about and, and hence it didn't seem to be sort of a good use of time to be watching something so blindly. Just, uh, to, just to clarify, so you're not talking about right this moment. You're no, just talking about in the past. In general, in the past. Now, right. I, I, to give TV its credit, that the, the the quality standard has risen and risen and risen over the years, and I now think you can quite easily say that film and TV are of equal quality in some instances. Not always, but it depends. Um, the other reason, though, is it generally requires a dedication of time that. It requires a dedication of interest over a longer period that I can't really sustain or I don't want to sustain. Why don't you want to I don't know. I'd like to sit down and watch something for two, three hours, whatever it happens to be, and that be taken in isolation, so to speak. Um, The thing about TV is it requires an investment over what could be... 10 episodes in a series could be multiple series I remember trying to watch Lost and getting bored halfway <laughs> through the second series because like wow how long does this go I think, on I for think you, didn't you manage it to three <sighs> I don't know but but, but they're long those but you, first two seasons and I think what I began to realise from my perspective was that there was seemed to be to be a drawn out a, 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 a concerted effort on TV's part to draw things out which could quite easily be said and done and would be said and done in a far more concise manner if you were if you were doing a film and, and, and it feels to me like a little bit of attempting to just gain ratings and print money um, it, it's de- well, the, I think it's a uh, it is obviously more concise mm. when it's over two hours and mm. not 25,000 yeah so that's just a fact yeah well, I would go back and say something about Lost which I don't know if you know about but there's recently been some interviews with Damon Lindelof because a lot of people are getting back into it and yeah. anniversaries of the finale and things yeah. like that and um, he said that uh, him and Colton Cuse's writing partner and like kind of co-showrunner, they wanted to make one season, maybe two, and they wanted to end it there. Yeah. And, and the studio said, we want you to make 10 seasons, maybe more, 12, 15, I think they talked about numbers. And that's how they came to, in the end, seven. They actually Compromise. wanted to end it. But that's still not really a compromise, is it? I, some of the seasons were shorter than others. But what I'm saying yeah. is, I think you're absolutely right that money's got a part to play in it and that even yeah. showrunners and writers don't want to be dedicating that much time to one thing. But a show that you absolutely love, that you've watched more than once, is Game of Thrones. And yeah, that has it's the only that... show I think I've watched. Uh, well, I think it's the only show from the last... I don't know, call it 10 years that I've actually watched in its entirety and it's certainly the only show I've watched twice. And that were that was five seasons worth of 10 episodes of an hour. So you're talking, that's 50 hours. Have I done that right? Yeah. I think it might be. Was there seven? I think there's seven. Yeah, yeah, but then the last season are six and seven yeah. episodes. So. Yeah, which we won't even get started on because that well, was an yeah, annoying thing anyway. But what but... I'm saying is, is that if you really, really like something which comes along once in a blue moon, you'll commit. 
Yeah, there's also a thing about the extent to which it's just instantly available. I think with Game... Well, also, I should say that Game of Thrones fits right squarely in my in my sort of interest bracket in in the sense of it's it's something I can get into and uh, that from a genre point of view, it's interesting as well. Mm-hmm. So I was all quite happy to do that. And I did find it very good and very interesting, and I'll, and I'll freely admit to it. On the subject of, of Lost going on for two or seven rather than two series, that feels to me like an all-too-common thing with TV. I have no doubt that many writers and directors of TV would like to keep the series more concise and uh, you know critical and urgent. And I think that they are convinced into doing it by... Uh, TV execs who just want more programs, more airtime. Um, I know this because I work for a film co- for a TV company, and that's yeah. exactly what we do. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to um, you, what's your wheelhouse? Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, steer us down this path, and eventually we're gonna get to the topic of this podcast. Mm. So you will watch Game of Thrones, yeah. even though it's um, 63 episodes, if I had that right, I think it's 63 hours of TV, because it's it's something that you like, which fantasy is one of the categories. Now, yeah. recently, you have been re-watching things that you liked, and one of the things that I know you've re-watched yeah. is all of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, <laughs> yeah. which is something that you've watched many times, I know. Yeah. Yeah. However, that's like, with the extended editions... 10, 11 hours, maybe? Like yeah, that? yeah. I'd say, 11, yeah, maybe even 12. I'd, yeah, 11, probably 11 hours, yeah. So that's not that's not the length of a normal film. I know it's three films, but do you, do you see what I mean? Every time you went, I remember this because I went three years consecutively and um, I'm in a small minority of people, well, I don't know, could, could be a large minority, but in my friendship group um, and people I know online, uh, I'm in a small minority of people who uh, can take or leave Lord of the Rings. I don't think it's that great. Sacrilege. I know, I know. Um, and I was trying to work out during the rewatch what it was that I didn't, that, that was not, not didn't like, because that's not fair, but what was not grabbing me and making me love it in a way that other people are so passionate about it. And one of the reasons I think is not, it's not solely about the female characters. Mm-hmm. I think that is a part of it. But the female characters that are on screen are really good and they're different and they're interesting, you know, even if they have got names that are very similar. I can't even get this right. Awin and Arwen. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Awin is the is the sister of yes. Aemir. Um Awin and Arwen. Yeah, this is Classic Tokyo. Tolkien needs a punch yeah. in the face. Saruman, it's like, Sauron. It's like, God almighty, yeah. just reared him up a little bit, mate. Yeah, and then you have Galadriel, which is perfect because that's like nothing else. But but I haven't any problem with the female characters. They don't really interact with each other. I don't really know what the Bechdel um, test situation is, but it can't be good. But I do believe that it is an individual, no, sorry, not an individual, a group male activity trilogy. There's something about it where it's like, we need to go on these epic journeys. And a lot of the time I find myself going, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And why is this so important? It's very much a film about brotherly and familial male love, which Tolkien was trying to, in my opinion, which Tolkien was trying to express, as well as about the boring stuff to me. Like, I'm, I'm sure people listen to this going, oh my God, I'm turning off now. Um, <laughs> how could she say this about Lord of the Rings? Um, uh, battles and all of that thing. Mm. I, like, I like the tree. Tree Beard's my favourite character, if anyone's interested. Uh, he's a man, but he's also a tree, and he's the oldest person. He's got 
I was going to say it's got no time for everyone else, but it's got all the time in the world for it, for everyone, <laughs> hasn't it? There's no rush or anything. But anyway, circling back, you will... If something is deemed a film, it could be longer than what is the normal idea for a film. You know that there is a new Lord of the Rings series coming mm. out yeah. soon, which yeah. I presume you will want to watch. Yeah, I want to watch. Um, yeah. I would be a bit... Okay, and th- th- this is where we get into... Um, Lord of the Rings, for me, although it is one giant film, really, when you work it all out, yeah. 11, it does have natural, clear natural breakpoints um, that enable you to split it up into... That's where the credits roll. Yeah, it's where the credits roll. Well, I'm saying um, that's the natural breakpoint. When the music starts, it uh, it's, when it, it's when it finishes, basically, when it switches off. <laughs> um, uh, that enable you to effectively split it into... Nice bite-sized chunks. I think they're not bite-sized. Um, nice, massive, double. You have to like it. You have to. You have to like the the genre you're watching. I don't think you can watch three and a half hours of high fantasy unless, unless you like that kind of thing. But I would say, what about it is, um, you can watch the first one. Uh, and then just sort of switch off to it. Each of them stands on their own in isolation, I would say, as, as a film. Are you able to make that opinion? I'm not sure you can put yourself in the position of someone who has only ever watched them. I think if you... look, You I, think they've got a complete arc? Is that what you're saying? Because they don't yeah. really... Well, look, I think if you just start watching The Two Towers having not seen Fellowship of the Ring, you are going to struggle because there's going to be a hell of a lot that you're not going to get. But you're saying uh, it's a mini story or um, mini part but of the story. Within, within the scope of that, yeah. it does have an arc. Um, within the three, three and a half hours of each one, there, there is an arc beginning to... You know, you know there, there is a... Yeah, there are acts. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Start, it starts off with such yeah. and such and then, you, and then you follow act to it and then it ends with a conclusion which is usually sort of bittersweet, at least as far as the first two are concerned. Yes. Um... So you can what you can you can watch Fellowship of the Ring, switch off for a week, two weeks, a month, whatever, and then go back and watch the Two Towers. It's not going to be a problem for you. I still think they can be watched individually in the in, same way in that, a way that a TV series could be a weekly. Forget your Netflix model, a weekly. I mean, I suppose so. But I, I, I just, I just think that um, having three three-hour films feels like less of a of an issue to me than having a, what could be a sixteen-hour. Series. But, but twenty hours. Um, it, I, I do think. Listen, I do think that what what it's about will play a key factor right. for me. I, I, I do think I am drawn to certain genres that are going to make me more invested in them. Um, but if you're drawn to certain genres, then does it matter how long something is if you're not interested in it? If you're not interested, no. I think I think you tune was, out after episode one, probably. But if but, it was a film, you'd be like, oh well, I've only wasted two hours. Yeah, I suppose, or, okay. or, or at least I'm, I'm prepared to sort of see it through to the end. Um, That's fair. With a series, I'm just not. I just feel like the investment of time required is not yeah. worth it ultimately. And do you think that? within the current world not just about the pandemic but uh-huh. the sheer availability of things to watch now what tv or film a- any, or both. A- anything right. because to be honest it's all melding into one particularly yeah. when cinemas aren't open yeah. and you've got a big tv yeah i think that you know what what's the difference really except for length you know it's uh, like yeah yeah they've got the budgets that people are using yeah. now to make tv series like you said earlier you know that the, they're on parity in terms of spend, actors, talent. Yeah, um, they are. They are. Scope. I don't think you can draw much of a difference these days. No. Um, I, I, I think you're looking at the same thing now. But still, in but, your mind, you differentiate 
between the two based, yeah. on, based on length? I think based on length pr- yeah. predominantly. I, 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 I would sit down and watch a film about anything, quite yeah. frankly. Um, because you know it's only two or three. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, in essence. I don't know if I could say the same about TV. I, I, I just can't invest in it. Mm-hmm. I think it requires a commitment that I just don't, not, I'm not prepared to make. All right, what well, the flip side of the argument? Yeah. What happens if Game of Thrones had only been one season? You would have been disappointed. Uh, yeah. It ended with but again, that, but again, I come back. Off. Well, again, but I come back to my point about genre makes a huge difference to me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to invest more heavily in a genre that I like, definitely. But if you like something, you would give it more of a go. Yeah, I mean, we talked about there's a new series. The the isn't uh, is it is Dune being made into a series no, or is that a film? Dune's going to be in is that it film, it's right? Be a film. Okay. Um, but it's probably going to be long though, but the, 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 the Dune series or well, the Dune series in general is like what six books long so if it, if it does yeah. well they'd make six films can't I to be honest with you I'll say this for the record Harry they will Potter, for the record they will not make uh, they will not make six Dune films purely because yeah. they are they'll do one it won't do as yeah. well as they thought it was going to do and What's that'll probably spice? be it Harry yeah. Potter and the Spice of Life uh, it, it's just it, it's one of those things that it, it, it seems like a good idea until you until you realise how, how difficult and complicated it is I can't imagine Denis Villeneuve is you know, a series kind of guy no. or a sequel kind of well, guy it's, it's he just, shouldn't make the Sicario it's just not conducive to, to like yeah. Uh, it, it requires a, a, a certain kind of person and that kind of put to watch and that kind of person is not going to make you a ton but of money at the box office you are interested in you don't mind a reboot you'll, you'll, you'll be like I like Lord of the Rings I'll watch the series because maybe they'll put what's his name Tom Bombadil maybe Tom Bombadil will appear yeah. and he was cruelly cut out apparently from the um, film look at me talking off I don't know what I'm talking about well, um, here's my, so here's the thing about yeah. Lord of the Rings I don't know what the plan is for the series I it's going to be longer than the films, I guess. Okay, well, well okay. Let's say, for argument's sake, it's... I'm looking it up. Go on. Talk tw- about 20 hour-long episodes, something like well, that. Well, also, these things you don't know from um, now, do you? But there's material um, for all sorts of things. There is, yeah. but at the end of the day, the three, the three the films that, the three films that we currently have, mm-hmm. sort of, with, with the special editions, stretch into about, call it 10 to 11 hours. Yeah. They missed out some scenes that were in the book. You might be able to stretch it, therefore, out into 14, 15 hours, okay? Now, for me, the films felt pretty well paced. If you slow that down, if you try and stretch Lord of the Rings out into 31-hour episodes over three series, I think I'm going to have a problem with this because I think the pacing is going to be all wrong. It's the same problem, by the way, that they had with The Hobbit. They did not have three three-hour films worth of material, and hence scenes get stretched beyond why belief. They have to be three hours. They don't. Anyway. They really don't. It's, yeah. it's it's at best yeah. two films, and probably actually only one. Okay, so interestingly, I haven't got to the point which says how many episodes yet. It's not coming out until um, next year. But it says here, a second season was formally ordered in November 2019. For... It's not it's Lord of the Rings TV series. So it's not even out yet. It doesn't even come out until next year. Series 1 cover the Fellowship of the Ring. Is that, that the idea? That is a very good question. You're asking me questions that Wikipedia must answer. I mean, I would assume so. J.A. Bayona is... Um, or Bayona, I don't know how you say his name. Isn't he, a guy, isn't he the guy who did all, all is lost? I don't know. I'm not sure. I know his name. He's a good director. And how many? Sorry, how many episodes? Is the I don't know. Series? I'm getting confused by Jaber. He's done the Orphanage, the Impossible, a Monster Calls. He's doing Jurassic. Oh, he's doing. He's not who I thought, but he's doing well. Anyway, he's doing the first two episodes. Um, oh, it says there's a five-season production commitment worth a billion. 
How many episodes? It doesn't say. You keep asking me. <laughs> I can only tell you what Wikipedia right. tells me. And it just says number one. Not the first episode is in 2021. Right. And the second episode is in 2021. I presume there are more than two episodes. How, many, how, how long would you think an episode would be? An hour? Oh, you're asking me questions. No, but I, I mean, know. like, if you had to... My guess is an hour, yeah. I guess. Let's say... My guess is that this is the new Game of Thrones. But there's not... Let's let's say for our, let's say for argument's sake episode. that there is an hour, that each episode is an hour and each series consists of ten episodes. That's fifty hours. That's ridiculous. You say that. But That's then ridiculous. Previously on this podcast, she says in her lost voice, um, you watched Game of Thrones. That's five books. Episodes. That's five books. Five uh, giant books. Did it go through? Even yeah, more. It, did, it ran out of books. Ran out of books in the end. Probably actually six or seven books. But how do we know it's not going to have like the Cimmerillion and things in it? Well, it could, well. but then, all right, so you're talking The Hobbit as well, then, I suppose. Right, it says here there was a lawsuit huh. that related to, to the company behind... Oh, Warner Brothers. <laughs> Warner Brothers, the company behind Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit films. I'd never heard of them if they hadn't have said that. <laughs> uh... Anyway, I don't know. They're cagey. They're cagey. I'm going to do one more Google search mm. of how many episodes. This sounds, wow, this is high quality podcast. This sounds right here. suspiciously like too many episodes to me, but I guess we'll find out. So the thing you love the most, they could still make too many episodes. It just has a natural fit. I mean, like, it's, it's a sizable book. It's not... The thing is, if you can if you can take a film, if you can take a, I don't know, if you can take a Dan Brown book, Da Vinci Code, and make it into one film, then you can probably take Lord of the Rings and make it into one film. Even if you think you've got too much material, you make it yeah. two films. Or if you transfer that into a series, into TV, it, it should amount to roughly the same time. Well, not necessarily, because they've cut loads of things out. I thought the not whole that point, much. You read the, you read well, the hang on, they've cut a bit, but they, it's not like they cut large swathes. Anyway, I have found out, according to Hollywood Reporter... Mm-hmm. That the first season has eight episodes, but they've only filmed two. Right. Which is why they're not putting anything else down. So five times eight, 40 episodes? Still seems yeah, too much. Yeah, you're making it sound like they'll, they'll agree the same thing every thing. But with Game of Thrones and with Lost and with many other seasons, they've gone up and down, haven't they, on how many episodes. So yeah, you could say the minimum commitment might be 48. <sighs> but you're talking over a long period of time. With Game of Thrones, it came back every year. Consider this, consider yeah. this. Assuming that it is just about the Lord of the Rings, I and mean, it doesn't include, include the Hobbit or the Cimmerillion, it includes mm-hmm. just about Lord of the Rings, the extended, super extended editions mm. amounted to about 11 hours. You're talking four to five times that length. Mm. How, how are you got, how are you... Well, let me yeah. ask you a question. Yeah. Bearing in mind this podcast and the yeah. purpose of it, yeah. are there any hidden female characters? in Lord of the Rings they forgot to put in the film. Tom Bombadil's wife what's she called uh, Mrs Bombadil probably no she has a special name I forget it right that says it all but thanks yeah. for that um, that's it uh, well do the, you think they're going to invent characters I don't think there are because you cannot make a TV show <laughs> I don't think there are full of men I don't think there are nowadays. a swathe of female characters that they cut out let's put it that way can we make two of the hobbits women uh, if you want might be a bit disingenuous Will to the original story, the but Lord of the Rings fanboys revolt. Yeah, it's well, bit, in the same in, in the same way that if you made um, Charlotte, if you made um, I don't know. Uh, David. How about an oceans film? How about Ghostbusters? We did that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's what I'm saying. 
these things happen yeah and the fanboys hate it yeah um i think it depends i would say both of those films though were not as good as the original i suppose but you, then again Ocean's i suppose you could make still better than like i suppose you could Ocean's make 13? are you talking about a piece of literary history here so i suppose if you made jane eyre a guy then you could make uh, the hobbits no, men Nicholas, <laughs> women, sorry. you are on this podcast for education purposes fine let me educate you again the reason why we have the Bjorn Bechdel podcast is because women make up 51% of the world, but they are only catered to on screen less than a third of the time. Mm-hmm. So you and your George Air or John Air and what you want to do, fine, <laughs> you're allowed to have it when we have 50-50 parity on screen. <laughs> to be and clear. Again, that we need to start talking about race again as well, because even if we had 50-50%, it would probably just be all white women and that's not going to help either. So, do, do you see what I mean? It's like... Well, I wouldn't you, want... Do you so. want International Men's Day? Because we might have to just, you know, I might mic um, drop and walk out Sure, the sure, we'll do that. Uh, um, I'm sorry, listeners, I'm um, sorry. I do think, like, look, I'm not suggesting that you make no, not, Jane Eyre a guy, but um, um, but I, I think the problem is when, you, when you're dealing with sort of literary masterpieces, yes. you kind of have to stick to them to the I extent that, that you can. I know that's your point, yes, I know, I know. Okay, so, um, genre is important to you. Yeah. Do you think that now you have a bit more time to watch things that isn't necessarily changing what you're choosing to watch or do you think that in the current times you're starting to look at things differently no is the answer i think i'm just watching more of what i would have normally watched okay because for me personally, I actually think things are changing, and that's what I wanted to focus on here. Mm. Which, and this is actually because of the kind of content that's coming out that you haven't taken that much interest in. But I think, I don't know, some of it you might be interested in. So there are a number of things I've been watching recently, and there are three shows that I've started watching, which I think are absolutely amazing, very representative. To, at least two of the three of them are just constant Bechdel test passing and are about women's issues. Um, and the other one is about a minority issue. And they are I May Destroy You, Mrs. America, and The Plot Against America which you probably haven't heard of any of them. No, I haven't. I May Destroy You is, is by Michaela Cole, who made Chewing Gum for Channel 4. She's a black actress, London... But I presume she's from London, I don't actually know, but she plays London-based characters. Um, she's got, like, a comedy bent, but she made a very... Si- well, no, it's a comedy, but it's this very surreal show, which was about, uh, like, a... Um, uh, like, a dramatic retelling of something that happened to her. A few years ago which was she um was drugged when she was out and raped and she couldn't remember it happening and then right. it slowly came back and it yeah. was about but the show the show i may destroy you is about so much more than that mm-hmm. so i don't want to be reductive but basically she wrote it and produced it and stars in it and it's and it's been 12 episodes of i don't know if they're an hour long they're pretty long um of her talking about race and sex in modern london um, and it's funny in parts, but it's also deeply serious and very sad in parts. Mm-hmm. Well, she has her kind of trademark, like, wry look at things. And it also talks about gay male sex for black men and the stereotypes relating to that. And it talks about her going to the police and her friends. And it's basically, it's a really good example of kind of a, a young black woman's experience in London, like mm-hmm. you don't normally see in TV. Yeah. So there's that. The caucus wants me to drop out, release my delegates to McGovern. Which one? 
Take your pick. They both have been talking to high heaven ever since way back. A female president by 76. A black president. But when push comes to shove, it's like Pops always said, one, one hand, hand won't clap. clap. And they can't see it. Bella thinks I'm ego-tripping. Gloria is just sitting on the fence. Why? Why am I the only one at this convention who thinks a black woman being president is worth the run? Second one, Mrs. America, I think you know a bit about, which is about, um, which is uh, set in the States around the time of the Equal Rights Act, uh, which women's groups were trying to pass in the, God, I forget, the 50s, I think it is, or is it the 60s? 60s. Nixon's in, Nixon's in power, so what's that? Probably early 70s then. Oh, early 70s. And it's absolutely fascinating. I think it's one of the best things I've ever seen, but this is part of the issue that I'm getting to. Um, every episode has a slight it, it's there's an ongoing thread of the women there are women's rights groups on both sides there's one they're, they're all real people so there's one that has Rose Berners uh, Gloria Steinem mm-hmm. and that is um, uh, and then there's a whole lot of characters there and they're all trying to get it passed and they're the women's lib movement and the kind of second wave feminism and then on the other side you have Kate Blanchett who plays this character called Phyllis Schlafly because they say her name every episode and she is from a kind of she she wanted to get into political office and um, she failed and her husband, I think her husband's in political office and then she kind of leads this women's surge against the ERA saying that like if women become equal to men under the law then they have to go through the draft and go and fight for the country and they have to do this that and the other and right. um, it's just fascinating because it's very fair to both sides and I think the media industry would automatically take the more liberal stance and it doesn't. It's by um, Bowden and Fleck who directed um, Captain Marvel um, and they did the whole series. They're different directors but I think they're the showrunners of the series because I saw a recent episode was uh, Amara Sante I think was the director. So lots of different directors and she's a, a pretty successful female yeah. filmmaker. Um, and there's just something about it because it's serious it's big big budget it's like an hbo type show it's period drama which is interesting but in the kind of 50s american way so the attention to detail is amazing but most importantly it's all of these women on character um, on ugh, all these women on screen talking about these issues which primarily affect women and it can only be told through the eyes of these women it's a story that hasn't ever to my knowledge, been that much on camera. There's probably some films or something, maybe documentaries, but I didn't know about it. And this is a fictionalised version. But it seems very real, and it's it's this, you know, beautiful, big budget, and kind of, it does things to me like it makes me sad when I think about the, the things that people go through. And it's not just at the hands of men, it's women against women, and I think that that's something that isn't shown enough in TV and film. Like the, the you know just because you're all the same gender, it doesn't mean you all think the same. Um, And also um, the fact that there are different sides to this issue and they're all kind of lovingly dealt with and it could be so different. It could be a really like propaganda, uh, aggressive piece in the current times. Um, So there's that. And then the last thing I was watching is The Plot Against America, which is based on a Philip Roth book, which is about if Hitler won or there was some kind of victories in Europe which meant that Jewish people were persecuted against in America. And it's from an American, again, similar kind of time. I'm guessing no earlier, 20 years earlier, if we're talking... It was in the 40s, early 40s. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and it's got Winona Ryder in it and a lot of other people. She's the most famous pe- person in it. And it's just about what it's like to be a Jewish person in America at that time. And again, lovingly crafted, lots of money behind it, lots of plaudits. All three of those things are critically adored. And so after all that, and me explaining them to you, yeah. you can see that they're complicated, they're nuanced, and they talk about things we haven't yeah. heard before. And my issue is, I'm watching these, but they take something out of me. It's almost as if, as a woman, I've said, I want this product for me that speaks to me about people the same as me. And then someone makes it, and they spend all this time and money on it, and they get these super famous people to come in to come into it. And then coronavirus happens, and the Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd stuff happens, and all this stuff happens. And suddenly, I'm faced with the most stressful TV ever, depicting these other stressful events, which are, you know, based on truth or you know half truths, depending on how you look at it. Um, and I'm like, I feel guilty because. This is great. I should love this, but I want to break. I want to watch something easy. Mm. And so therefore, hence the name of this podcast, I was looking on Sky and Sky handily groups programs and movies together and it has a section called Easy Watch. And I've (laughs) realised that I've been given all this amazing content to watch and then I find myself being distracted Mm. by things from 20, 30 years ago which are just make me feel warm and fuzzy inside, uh, or even newer uh, films. And I think you found something similar, but but I think you're you're about to tell me that you just like watching these things again. Yeah, anyway, I think I think I. How much do you watch old movies versus? I think sorry, rewatches versus new watches. Well, I think I I would basically categorize my movie watching into into three. Mm-hmm. I would say. Classic movie watching, and and at the, the, for films I haven't seen before, so I'll I'll just go back and 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 there's tons of them around. Some of them might be easy, some of them might be more difficult. I don't know, but but you just but but they're a rewatch. Uh, you know what you're no 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 no, no they're not that. I have not watched it before. That, oh. that, that that's category one. Category sorry. Category, category two one. is is doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, new no, haven't seen it, but sorry. it tends to be older. That's that's all I'd say about it. Oh, sorry, it. you mean older as in yeah. Um, made a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, category two is just foreign films. Um, they probably they require the most level of concentration. I can't. I've got to be on it a little bit. I might have yes. had some caffeine just purely because it requires <laughs> subtitle reads. I've, I've had a, I've had a hard day in the home office with my neck cricked, <laughs> and I'm getting a bit tired. You're not watch. I, I don't think I'm going to sit down and watch a yes. Bergman film at that point. Yes. But category three, the one you're alluding to, which yes. is easy watching, and they are tend to be for they tend to be films that I've seen before like a lot of times um and, and you just bung them on in the background you'd have to pay attention to them you know the plot already you know what's going to happen but they're just entertainment uh, and uh, can you divide up this three categories into percentage of your view oh yeah yeah i'm not watching too many foreign films yeah, right I now um I, I go through phases definitely where i concentrate more and more and more the other i'm probably watching about 50-50 old and 50-50 easy right now. No uh, foreign films. Not, maybe one or two. your home office maybe, life is too may, Yeah, maybe one or two here and there. But, so but, that is a change you've got um, 
which is in the current climate, you might you maybe are watching slightly fewer films that demand a little bit too much of your concentration. Uh, maybe I've been a bit lazy. I think there's there's a degree of that going on. Do you think Do you think that's Corona? Do you think that could be? It's a good question. I don't know because I think I think it's been like that now for the last sort of year or two. Where okay. or a so bit. It might not be that. Um, you'd actually say if you're being logical I'm about this. The if you're being logical about this, you'd say that. Um, we should have because I've got more time and there's less energy spent travelling around than everything else that, you, that actually uh, you're uh, like 8am you know time a 1950s a 1950s Japanese movie is going to be bang on it's, it's yeah. going to but that doesn't change the fact that it is sometimes just it's, it's nothing to do it's just to do with the fact that subtitles require concentration that's all it is well it's funny if you say that one of the other shows that I've been watching is Dark which is a German mm. the, the, the final season of which there were three you would yeah. like that because they were all Ooh, eight. I, I want to say maybe the first one's ten, and then the other two were eight. But they were no longer than ten episodes long, all an hour. Coincidentally, in German. Mm. Um, but they're about time travel, and they're about. I think I've mentioned this to you before. Yeah. So they're about these families which are all connected in this little village in Germany. Yeah. Um, and this, it's been. There are a combination of factors here, so I don't want to necessarily say it's just about coronavirus. But it's the third season, and at the end of the second season. I don't want to spoil it for people, but something else is introduced into the plot in an already incredibly complicated bootstrap paradox sci-fi drama. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm like well excited at the concept of this because I can't, I just love the idea of paradoxical sci-fi. This added level, plus the fact that the show had been off the air for a year, 18 mm -hmm. months, slightly different for me. I think it's been, I think it came out I think I might... Did I watch one and two together? Maybe not, but I think I watched season one and season two in quite quick succession. They might have... Season one might have actually been out earlier, but I just didn't get to it. I didn't find out about it. But I watched one and two in quick succession, and I watched those with subtitles. And this season came around, and I decided that I'm just going to watch dubbing. Because right. it was so convoluted, the plot, I actually thought I don't have the capacity to also read the subtitles. I want to just watch it. Mm. And I don't know if that is because it's been so long, because it's so complicated, or because I just am getting lazier and want something easier, given all the other pro programmes I just said to you. I do think it's fundamentally harder to consume something when you're having to read it at the same time. Um, I don't think you can, you can quite have the same level of appreciation for it. Um, because you're, 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 your eyes are diverted, you're constantly having to read. So you're not you're not you're not paying a hundred percent attention to the acting or to the the editing or to anything else that, that forms part of a film. You, you, you're diverted constantly into reading. And I think that that means that you can't fully appreciate it. I, I don't think not not at the same level. Any any foreign film. Yeah. I, I, well, no. It's not that you won't appreciate it. I just don't think you're going to get as much out of it as someone who can speak that language yeah. and doesn't need the subtitles. I, I think they're going to consume more out of the film than you are. Subtitling is not a perfect art. No. Sometimes there is definitely, and I tell you what, the dubbing for Dark was truly atrocious. <laughs> and sorry, I'm sure all the words were correct, but. There was no, especially because I've gotten to know the voices of the characters. And yeah. I was a little bit angry that they didn't even vaguely try and get someone with the same kind of voice. So maybe I was asking too much. But I also felt like the people were reading it 
and it's a it's a hugely complicated show so I'm maybe I'm being unfair but they were reading it and not really understanding what they were saying yeah, in a way yeah, that the yeah. German actors yeah. definitely knew so I had a less desirable experience because of that by the way um um, complete tangent, but um, I remember seeing many, many years ago a dubbed version of the original Mad Max from 1979. Dubbed into English <laughs> from from Australia from from, a, from Australian into American, and I always thought that's insulting. Well, it's like what's the point? It's the same language. Um, well, I'm going to be rude now to our American listeners, not not to you listeners, but to your compatriots that. Um, there is this idea, isn't this, that uh, American audiences don't necessarily understand a lot of accents. Yeah, but, Even... but Australians... Right. I don't know, I'd say... It's pretty, it's pretty bog standard. Well, there must be a reason why it was done. I yeah. think, I think to make, I think the make to make the film appear American. Oh, um, take but, it back. Uh, but I, I'm not saying that... I think. It, I, by the way, I'm not even sure you'd ever get to see that version anymore because the, all the versions you've ever seen since uh, have all been the original Australian. I version. tell you what's quite funny though. Mel Gibson has this like amazing American accent. He's lived in America uh, for years. Yeah, he does. Um, I think, but his voice is totally taken out and dubbed over with some some randoms. Wow. Um, what, what a strange decision. Yeah. Of course, that was his was it his first film. Like, no, uh, I don't think it was his first film, but it was certainly one of the early ones. Yeah. When was Gallipoli? I think it was after that. Oh, was it? Oh. It's either his first or his second, but. Um, he wasn't a star at the time. No, they, they're, they're all oh. after. Um, but I'll take it back. It might be. After. I don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry, guys. And it is a bit of a budget film, to be sure. Uh, the original Mad Max, but at the same time, it's a bit harsh to say that an, an American audience would not appreciate an Australian film. But there you are. Well, let's have a look at Mad Max Fury Road. How many Australian characters are there in there? Well, you, there aren't that many. Well, we sort of by the time we got to the. The third one, actually, Beyond Thunderdome. Beyond Thunderdome, we were already into ah, barely, b- barely much Australian. Famous Australian yeah. Tina start, start, We'll start to get into <laughs> Tina Turner territory. Then, uh, you know, when she's yeah. apparently the warlord of the future is Tina Turner, then, uh, you know, at that point. We're about 45 minutes into the podcast, and I think now we should talk about what we were actually going to talk about. <laughs> right. Which is... This section that I told you about on Sky that's called The Easy Watch, it made me think, we can't be, or I can't be the only person feeling like this. There must be a movement at the moment. There, there's some memes out at the moment. I know you're not into meme culture at all, but there are some memes at the moment where the kids are saying, I've completed Netflix. I've finished Netflix, as if like, you know, it's a game where you have to watch every single thing on it. To which I say, no person in the world has watched every single thing on Netflix. They're a witty bunch, aren't they? They're a witty bunch, the youth of today, aren't they? (laughs) But the idea being, there's a lethargy, yeah? Which is that I've watched all the good stuff, I've watched all the crap stuff that might have interested me, and now I'm done and I want something new. And And I understand that lethargy, because... I'm getting, like I said, these amazing high-quality programmes, and then I'm like, oh, but what's that from many years ago? And you and I have both been watching some films that, like, a year ago, I never would have said, I want to watch. Um, Or, you know, were top of mind. And this started from, I think, um, The Rock. Now, Mm. I don't know what... uh, The Man, not the film... Um, which actually the, the rock the film could work for this, couldn't it? Because that was what the nineties, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Nicholas Cage. Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure that's my idea of an easy watch, but anyway. Um, so the the actor wrestler, whatever he is, extraordinaire. Dwayne Johnson. Run, yes, who's probably going to run for president one day. He makes um, a certain type of film, which I find incredibly relaxing to watch, even though. To some extent, it goes against my feminist ideals. Um, I don't... I think The Rock tries. I think the films try to shoehorn these female characters in. But the problem is, they're just vehicles for The Rock, really. Mm. And a lot of the time, what he does best is be an action star, save people, few... Um, witty one-liners and defeats the bad guys and the bad guys are often guys or most often Mm. guys so recently I watched Skyscraper um, because I'd watched some other rock films and I thought I'll just turn this on and I thoroughly enjoyed it even though it is ridiculous thought it was a bit lacking you don't think it was the best film that the no. rock put out? I like the rock as well. I mean, I think yeah. he's 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 an incredibly easy guy to watch. He, he, I think he's like the last sort of five ten years version of Arnold Schwarzenegger in the eighties, but probably slightly less violent. If you, if you get my my point, maybe um, I think that do you know there was the triplicate, wasn't there, of Schwarzenegger, Willis, and Stallone. Mm. I think that that kind of action hero only exists now in the form of The Rock. Is that yeah. fair? To, to, um, a, 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 from the top of mind. I can't think of anyone well, else. Well, it's... Okay, it's, and also, it's a different kind of film because those, those kind of specific 80s action films tend to pit one man against an army of some description. Yes. The Rock's films are different to that. They, they tend to take more of a sort of disaster movie type... Mm. Um, Which is model. even older, isn't it? You're talking... Yeah. That's the genre from... 70s at that point, yeah. yeah. But they don't have the ensemble cast that the original sort of uh, disaster films do they just they just put a situation in there that 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 he has to sort of handle usually something to do with his saving his wife or his kid or his wife and his yeah. kid or, he does or, both of those yeah. but he has two kids um, and a wife um, I think he's got it's one of the reasons why I didn't like Skyscraper as much mm-hmm. I actually think he's got reasonably good to- comic timing um, and it's not a particularly uh, it's not a comedy film at all no but I think that's a different genre I think we, we've also both watched um, Welcome to the Jungle, not the Welcome to the Jungle, sorry, Jumanji The Next Level, which is a yeah. sequel to Welcome to the Jungle, which is in itself a reboot of Jumanji. Um, and that was really fun. And I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah. And that was a bit better. That's always, the, they're always moving a little bit closer to making it Bechdel Pass. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I ne- I've never really had, a pro- I never had a problem with Welcome to the Jungle and I, ne- and I did not have a problem with The Next Level. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But that's his, him and Kevin Hart wisecracking yeah but that's a different kind of film isn't it like you said it's more of a that's more of a traditional fun family action movie yeah and maybe skyscraper is a little bit more of a poseidon adventure for the oldies out there disaster movie it's titanic it's a bit it's a it's a vehicle (laughs) it's a vehicle for him in as much as films like commando and raw deal were vehicles for schwarzenegger they're not great films in in and of themselves by any stretch of the imagination but they're sort of Oddly watchable because you kind of like the main character, and the mm, same, the same, yourself. the same is true of uh, of the Rock. It's it's the same sort of thing. You find him somewhat he watchable. He is very compelling. Mm. 
But I think there's something to be analysed here in terms of that type of movie and why that's so attractive in times like this. And a, a further follow-up question, is it possible for a woman to lead that kind of movie and it to still be acceptable and enjoyable in the same way? Or is this something about The Rock specifically? I think it's. I think it is specific to him, but that's not to say there couldn't be a woman who who would have the same draw. Um, I, I I don't think I don't think you could just chuck anybody in any guy in that role. I think it has to be him. Um, but that's not to say there isn't a woman out there who couldn't it, that couldn't draw the same. And but I don't think that movie exists, does it? So right here, right now, kids, let's write it. Yeah. Does it exist? Well, it, it would probably be like you know. The natural person is Charlize Theron, but I don't think she's always... I think she's an amazing action star, but I don't think she's always as personable. She hasn't got the... She's not, Sorry, that's not fair to her. She doesn't have... She's not given the opportunity to show the personality because everyone is so keen to show honestly, that we can have a look, female Honestly, star. Honestly, Charlize Theron is, is probably too good an actress for that kind of role. You, you, I, I, think, I think what you Who, want... Does she ever play uh, so. Possibly not. She's so she might be good at it. She, yeah, but I, I think what you're looking at here is someone who just sort of mm. drifted towards towards film off of a off of a secondary career because of they were popular in some other field. And it's sort of like a natural transition for them. The same could be true of a woman, absolutely. Like, but how about Gina Carano, who was in The Mandalorian and was mm. also in whichever one of those. Fast and Furious films yeah. it was that she was in. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to say Fast and Furious Six. Okay, then you should say that if that's I'll what you want. That. Um, but she still doesn't have the personality. Nor does she even have the fucking words. No. But the, the, I no. don't want to get into because The Rock happens to be in these all these later Fast and Furious films and. He's great in them, but the female characters. Are look, also great. I think what you're Michelle looking. Rodriguez I think what you're nice. looking for here is someone that has had a career as something else, and I'm not talking about. Well, Gina Carano was a pro wrestler, yeah. uh, pro martial art, mixed martial arts. Yeah, right. but you, well, I, tell me who. Uh, I think. Well, all right, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, this, this will get laughed at. You'll probably laugh at it. I'm ready but to this is someone that has had an exceptional sporting career is world famous yeah. has never even remotely considered trying anything like this but who knows N- neither had the rock yeah. uh, what about serena williams ooh that is a I good mean you just throw shout. her in there she's already she's already super famous people would go and see her for that reason alone why is hollywood not listening to this podcast well to be fair serena williams may have no interest in playing uh, an action role well, maybe she would i don't know i bet she hasn't been asked but i would totally watch skyscraper 2 with serena williams yeah well there you go but the key is there they they, they kind of the attraction is drawn out of her superstar tennis career same as it was with the rock with his superstar wrestler career it's it, just sort of a natural fit really mm. it's not wholly unheard of for sports stars to sort of make their way into film here and there what like Vinnie jones or O.J. Simpson. Great, two great <laughs> examples. Two examples. the best examples. <laughs> um, but it, I think it could to happen. To be fair, though, they were both moderately successful. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not cool to say that, but especially about O.J., but yeah. you know, he was 
pretty good in like what was it Naked, Naked Gun, Gun. Uh, yeah he was yeah he was good <laughs> sorry well he was funny I mean like art from artists look I mean like let's just let's just forget all we know about OJ for a minute take it in isolation of the Naked Gun mm. he was funny I'll give him that yeah good timing yeah, yeah. and Vinnie Jones had a certain Guy Ritchie whatever je ne sais quoi yeah, he was all right in uh, Lockstock, wasn't he? I don't know about Snatch, and I don't know about uh, that. Gone in 60 Seconds? With Nicolas Cage yeah, and Angelina was. Jolie with dreadlocks? Where, the where he doesn't be made today. Well, he doesn't speak until the very end, and then he turns out he's English. Um, but uh, he has the muscle and the drive. Yeah, he was also Juggernaut in uh, the X-Men, well, X-Men series uh, as well, which, which quite it? frankly was... Not the best role he ever played, but there it wasn't you are. Terrible. He managed to hit his head through walls. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're watching Skyscraper. I'm watching Skyscraper, and I'm like, I'm enjoying this. I feel happy. I like now. There's, there's also about the beats of the film. You know, The Rock's going to win out in the end because I've watched Rampage and I've watched watched the other one where there's the massive water where he's trying to find his daughter. Not San Andreas. San Andreas. Thank you. So I'd watch those, like, I don't know, a few years ago. And it's the same beats that I hear every time. Like you said, Rock li- The Rock likes to be, like, a family man who's going to do anything to fight for the people he loves, which sometimes includes cruising on a boat, which doesn't doesn't make any sense. I think you have to suspend... On a tidal wave. I think you have to suspend your disbelief in terms of his career choice in the, in the film, as it were, whichever, whichever film you're watching... Rampage, uh, a uh, film where alien matter comes down to Earth and then is biochemically what's his, used to What's make. his job in that? What's his profession he in the is film? A mon- he's a gorilla, um, like, I mean, study out as a job. He's like, a, he's, he's like a... Well, it has to be, you have to manufacture... He, he looks after the gorillas. You, you have to manufacture... You have to manufacture some kind of, I don't know, slightly... Believable crew. I mean, I think if, you know, he's, you know, a scientist who's researching the coronavirus, it's just not going to be that believable, is it, that The Rock would, uh, you know, when, when when does he research if he's know, if, he, if he's spending eight hours a day at the gym? gym. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'd believe him in any role for the purposes of me just watching well, this look, and sitting back and... Look, you, you, can, you can suspend your disbelief for that, <laughs> and I think that's fine. You know, it, it, it's just I think sometimes that, you know, films go one step too far with credibility, so shall we say... What about Chris Pratt as a velociraptor tamer in Jurassic World? Do you believe that? Do I believe that? I suppose. I don't know. I just think you're uh, um, discriminating against big muscles. About big muscles. Yeah. It's just, it's uh, it's tricky. It's protein. It's tricky, isn't it? That, um, you know, it's not wholly believable that if, if Well, when he's in Fast and Furious films, The Rock is playing a cop. Um, Even though he's like a rogue. Well, he's, he spends he's, his life split into three. He spends eight hours sleeping, eight, sleeping eight hours as an FBI agent and eight, eight hours at the gym because yeah. that's no way it could yeah. work anymore. Yeah, but a cop, I was going to say, at least you could believe they could be that fit. How many cops do we know that, well, that no, we've seen like on... An agent, like a federal agent or what have you. There's certainly, or a, like a... Is there not that idea of a super powerful cop? He's not a regular cop. He's not like on the beat. Yeah, he's not a regular cop. He spends a third of his life at the gym. He's that kind of cop. Well, he also does some, does he do some driving. I don't know if he does do any driving. He does do some driving in Hobson Shaw. And this is when I'm accidentally admitting all the Fast and Furious films I've accidentally Well, it's watched. all right. 
Um, but I don't want to admit it because they're not really Bechdel passing. Well, well you, you put up with me because, um, because I, can, I can read and write ancient Egyptian and I can, I can decipher hieroglyphics and heretic. And, well, I am the only person within a thousand miles who knows how to properly code and, and catalogue this library, that's why. After watching um, Skyscraper, I started to think, else is the rock in and coincidentally you had decided and it might have been for the same reason that you wanted subconsciously to watch, maybe it was yeah you wanted to watch the mummy mm. the original 2099 late 90s i would yeah maybe 2000 yeah. not sure uh movie starring brendan fraser rachel vice and john hammer and so you and I both watched that, and we also watched the sequel, The Mummy Returns, mm. which is The Rock's first on-screen role as the Scorpion King. I think it's an early one. I think it might be. His it first might be one. his debut, actually. Um, He's kind of semi-CGI the whole way. It's a small part. There's a, there's a chunk at the beginning where he yeah. he plays the Scorpion King three yeah. five thousand years he ago or whatever. Anything. No, he doesn't. He just oh. goes around kicking ass. Mm. And then, and then they kind of turn him into a sort of hybrid scorpion later on, don't they? And I'm not actually sure how much input The Rock had into that, quite frankly. They just took his uh, face and stitched it onto yeah. a CGI one, scorpion. One thing I will say about The Mummy and The Mummy Returns, and I remarked this at the time, which is that I was impressed with the CGI, considering we're talking 20 years ago. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? No. I was, I was, like, some of it looked ridiculous, but there was an uncanny valley of the rock's face as a Scorpion King. But ultimately, it was of your Indiana Jones kind of things popping out to scare you. Mm. But a, a great chunk of it must have been CGI and not puppetry, and I was quite impressed with that. Mm. So, The Mummy and The Mummy Returns, particularly The Mummy, um... It is kind of laughable in the way that it treats Rachel Weiss's character because she's a very typical librarian stereotype uh, who, you know, looks over her rimmed glasses and, oh, don't you look pretty underneath those? And gradually as she goes through the film, she gets in different states of undress and she actually spends the last half an hour of the film in nighty. Which is like, okay, fine, she was woken up from her sleep and what have you. And it's not too revealing. Mm -hmm. But um, nonetheless, um, uh, it's a bit much. Um, and she has the weirdest eyebrows, just as an aside. And then in The Mummy Returns, the first thing I noticed was that she sorted out and let her eyebrows grow. So I don't yeah. know who told her she should have super thin eyebrows. Um, but it was very distracting all the way through. But that is a film where, theoretically like I said, given my feminist sensibilities, I should be, like, in uproar and not enjoy it. Mm. But actually, it's... When you view it in the context of The Mummy Returns as well, you actually see character development in a female character <laughs> on screen in a film that has no business to be making any statements about feminism. Mm. And there's something about the stealth nature of her in The Mummy Returns, fighting female characters, interacting with other people, being handy with a gun, um, being dressed more in a kind of, she's got this kind of Errol Flynn outfit on most of the time, but she's not the damsel in distress. And I wonder to what extent Rachel Voice had any input on this, or whether the world just changed between 99 and 2001, which I think is when The Mummy Returns 
came out. Mm. But um, you have some views on the Mummy versus the Mummy Returns, I believe. Yeah, I don't know uh, necessarily how I feel about the feminism element to it. Um, I, I didn't think you were going to give a. Well, <laughs> I don't. I think if you're searching for sort of a particular, you know, messages about strong women, probably the mummy isn't the place to be entirely looking. No, it's definitely. Um, it, it's just a sort of. It, it's a, it's a bland sort of sit back enjoy action film to be honest um, no one has character development in the mummy no. it's not that type of movie no no it, 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 it works on John, very simple character it works on very simple yeah. principles really and yeah. I think it works on, on one very simple principle which is both Rachel Weisz and, and Brendan Fraser are quite watchable in, in the films yes. and I think they have good chemistry attractive. yeah I think they have good chemistry as well yes um, I, I personally this is this is a very much a minority opinion, I know, but I personally think the Mummy Returns is a better film. Is the better film? I most people would say no. It was it was a, it was, a, it was a pale shadow of the original, but I think where the second one get is better in my view is it, it's it's plot. It, it kind of increases the number of characters yeah. significantly, um, and therefore creates a more dynamic and and, and uh, complicated plot. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'm being honest with the original Mummy, it is a bit too simplistic. Yeah. So adding that that level of ensemble cast and, and bigger plot actually, I think, advantages the film. But but that most people would say no, it doesn't. But there you go. Probably most men. Mm. Um, uh, did you notice the character development for Rachel Weisz's character? Yeah, she's not the same character. The the the, 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 de- the definite principle is that she grows into a sort of a more of a femaley version of. Um, Brendan Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. There's also slightly more to it than that because, as it turns out, she is the uh, incarnation. In- incarnation of uh, Nefertiti, as it as it yeah. so happens. Um, which yes, is... and let's let's not talk about how yeah. how the Mummy Returns is so progressive. Yeah. When it has a, a, a scene with her fighting, I've forgotten her name. Well, her character name is is Anuxa the Moon. I don't know what, who plays She's, it. Yeah. What is what? Sorry? I don't know who plays the role. I don't no, know no. What what's the character name? Anuxa the Moon, isn't it? How do you say that? Anooks and a moon. Anooks and a moon yeah. fights Nefertiti as portrayed by yeah. Rachel Weiss in her past life. But they're both dressed in next to nothing. Um, as you would be in well, ancient Egypt. Yes, that's the thing. It is, it is typical, to the extent that you can ever say that mummy films are typical, of the Egyptian times. However, it's a very good fight scene. Mm. They've got some pretty nasty, don't even know what those things are called. but like Swords. No, they're oh. like tridents. <laughs> they're like little three-pronged mini, I wouldn't call them swords. Forks. They're like forks, yeah. But that doesn't make them sound that dangerous. They look like they have your eye It out. does. It does sound like they're having a bit of a fight at the dinner table and if you call them forks. A, they have a proper... Like, like, it is a properly choreographed fight. It's just hilarious that they're dressed in bikinis with this gold thing over them. I thought and it was I good. And I spent a lot of the film going, what was in Rachel Weisz's um, contract? Did she agree to this? She didn't get any of her body out in the first film. How much of it was her and how much of it was stunt double? Do we know? Well, that's not the point, is it? People think it's her. In terms of, like, feminism, it's still too... Actually, to be fair, The Rock gets his body out the whole time. Imhotep is, like, semi-naked the whole time. Brendan Fraser doesn't get his top off enough. Imhotep is really naked. He doesn't even have his yeah. skin on half the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Brendan Fraser a little bit. 
Not much. That's uh, in the first film, isn't it? Is he getting uh, tall for tall? Not a great deal. He just he just dresses he's like a, a great dresses that, like a nineteen thirties Tomb Raider. We, yeah. As you would imagine, a nineteen thirties Tomb Raider yeah. looks like kind of a bit Indiana Jonesy. Yeah, but there is some, there is some. I will say there is a little bit more equal opportunity nudity. So um, that's fine. But um, both of those films come from this traditional family with an edge action drama there's a certain element of fantasy in it as well really <laughs> no no I'm just talking about um, going back to your Lord of the Rings and things you know like this this is hitting all the beats of a film with the rock in it a film that has yeah. fantasy a film that isn't too long a film that's based on something but that is something that isn't necessarily being explored in this way a film that has famous actors and actresses in it but but probably they were made famous Rachel Weiss was made famous from The Mummy okay. I don't I think so I don't know what she was in before maybe no, me period neither. drama me neither but Brendan Fraser like I, even, I don't George of the know. Jungle was he when that? was George of the Jungle I think it was now that's oh. a film where he gets his kiss off Gods and Monsters no, uh, later, nah, we? I think it's before the moment. Really? Yeah. Um, I think, well, what I'd say is this. Um, I, I have a, a, a theory that certain, su- certain subject matter just resonates with the public in such a way that no, no matter what you do, people are going to go and watch it. And I think films about Egyptian mummies coming to life is kind of in that bracket. Same as I think if you did a film about Atlantis, people would be interested in that. Same as I always thought the concept of Stargate, the movie of, of, a, of, a, of a secret civilization that had built this Stargate, yeah. it, it, that has a. I wouldn't say I want to watch Stargate again. No, I don't think it wasn't a great film, but it has. A, but 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 if you didn't know that, that that's what the film turned yeah. out to be like, I, I think it has a certain attraction. Jurassic Park, <laughs> dinosaurs. It's, it's just it, there's a certain sense in the public consciousness yeah. of certain. But it is all fantasy. Of course, it's just different. It's of course, it's just it is, it is. But I, but yeah. I think my point about it is, it doesn't matter who you put in the film or even how good the film is. It kind of will attract an audience just because of the subject matter alone. But I wonder if in these current times, it's nice to watch fantasy because it's pure escapism from the fear/stroke banality of the pandemic experience. Yeah, I'd I mean, rather watch the Mummy than going back to our previous podcast. Things like Outbreak. I don't. Mean uh, to I did watch contagion. Outbreak. <laughs> did you? Yeah. And what did you? Uh, well, didn't make me feel any any worse. But there right. you go. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know whether or not there is a need for me for to watch feel good films. I, I don't think it's to do with the pandemic as much as I think it's to do with. Well, it is to do with the pandemic, but it's not. It's not. It's not a, a, a fear factor of losing one's life and wanting to feel better about it. It's not that. It's 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 the as the as you say, it's the banality of life that that's more an issue here. Which is, God knows, we are getting bored with this. For those three shows that I told yeah. you about, the the passion project, yeah. highbrow, high concept, huge budget shows are all kind of about reality to a certain mm. expect a certain extent uh, some of it really happened and some of it could happen or a version of it is happening and i don't think this is the time necessarily for me to be getting as much out of that as i could in a non-pandemic world mm. i think just constantly watching shows tv shows which are longer than films as we've discussed mm-hmm 
that are about the struggles that people go through may not be the best thing to watch at the moment and therefore I am drawn into watching something which ordinarily would go against my better judgment. In our previous podcast we talked about Portrait of a Lady on Fire and uh, Never Really, Sometimes Always mm-hmm. and those films were both kind of about realist issues. Portrait was you know, more of a um, fictional account of something but we made that podcast six weeks ago. Yeah. And I don't even know if I'd feel the same way about watching those two films, or particularly Never Really, Sometimes Always. I think I might actually a little bit steer away if I hadn't seen it. And I love that film, and I thoroughly recommend everyone should watch it. But there is something at the moment about wanting to feel good, wanting to feel cosseted yeah. by the media, and yeah. not... Maybe this is about the mask drama, you know, the politicising of everything. And I am not in any way negating the Black Lives Matter movement or anything that's happening in America in terms of police brutality or even any of these conversations about wearing a mask. It is strange that I'm talking about it on a podcast because mm. I never would have thought of that a year ago. But um, I I think now that it's almost a shame that the the high quality programming that's being that had been made yeah not is being made because that's been stopped mm-hmm. at the moment because of the pandemic that was right for the time if we weren't already living through this terrible time people mm. make these jokes all the time about 2020 being this horror year and i hope that these shows still get the love from audiences because they're amazing but this might not be the right time? Well, I think the the point is who knew that Armageddon was actually going to be binge-watching Netflix um, <laughs> and not, you know, shooting zombies? Who knew that that's what it was actually going to be like? Certainly when I'm telling the story, by the way, to my grandkids, I'm going to be saying, you know, I had to defend my house with a gun and all this sort of shit. Um, you didn't have to complete that, 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 Yeah, that watching everything, Amazon Prime had nothing to do with it. Um... <laughs> The other thing is, I wonder about, particularly with the older films that we've watched, um, whether or not I'm just harking back to a different time, whether or not those films just remind me of different times, actually. Have you found um, that? I certainly think that... It's difficult for me to tell how much, to what extent that plays into my thinking when I'm watching films or not. Mm-hmm. In this sort of this other category, this, this 33% that I talked about of these easy-watching films, I think, I think for new films... No, because it's the first time you've watched them. But for the older ones, for the mummies and things like this, and there was a whole range of them, I just wonder whether or not they just remind me of what life was like in the late 90s, or, exactly. or, or what, or what. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But then again, I've watched The Mummy God knows how many times, just because I, it's sort of film if it was on TV, I'd just watch it in the background. Yes, maybe some films are just some films are some mm. films. You know, if Jurassic Park's on, I'm going to watch Jurassic mm. Park, and that has nothing to do with... But the, but the difference is Jurassic Park is a work of art, in my opinion, whereas I don't think The Mummy is. <laughs> So there's definitely a relationship there. Um, something that I've just remembered that we watched together, mm. um, which is brand new, it, well, 2019, uh, is Gemini Man. Oh, God. God. <laughs> so there's an example of, I thought when I, was watch, when, when I decided to watch Gemini Man, I'm like, oh, this could be like The Mummy, but now. This is perfect for me. I haven't got any rock films to watch. 
I don't want to watch all my TV programmes that are too earnest about real life problems. I'll watch Gemini Man. This is by Ang Lee. It looks like an adventure film. It's got Will Smith in it. What could possibly go wrong? What did you? What do you want a list? Or where do I start? <laughs> Maybe. Look, the, the look, first look. thing is it should have been Gemini Woman. Let's just look, get that out. The, 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 there are there are ways to make in any given genre. Mm. There, there are certain sort of ways to make the film. Uh, and, and, Talked about the mummy. It, 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 there is very little thought required there. There was just all you got to do is just hit certain markers, and everyone's got to be likable, and the good guy wins, and the, you know whatever, and and it's going to be likable. Gemini Man is in the sort of born um, Bond sort of category, except if you're going to do that, you, you, you've you've got a pretty high bar you're going to have to hit here. Now you've got the more recent Bond films that are a heck of a lot more sophisticated. The Bourne films themselves were only, what, 10, 15 years ago, something like that? Um, 10 years ago? I've got um, Here's a film that I think could have been made in the 1990s and it would have been okay. Well, it comes from a script that was written 25 years ago, so mm. I think this is quite a nice segue, which is that we can watch The Mummy and The Mummy Returns mm. and Jurassic Park and anything made in the 90s and it can be feel good. We can watch Ferris Bueller, we can watch Ghostbusters, all of these classics and still enjoy them for what they are. But there's something really fascinating about a film made in 2019 based on a script from 25 years earlier. And just to come full circle, yeah. written by David Benioff, amongst other people, who is the co-show runner of Game of Thrones. Right. So he was peddling some dodgy stuff. 25 years ago peddling it to Ang Lee and Will Smith but why did Ang Lee decide to make this goodness knows there's a guy that did Crouching Tiger Brokeback Mountain Life of Pi this is not even the same planet in terms of in terms of quality yeah, you know the man has range, mm. and he—I he, know that at the moment he is preoccupied with advancing technology. You have someone like. Um, Christopher Nolan, who is a little bit old school and is all about his 70mm, and Tarantino is a little bit like that, and I know that they're, for, they're friendly, and that's yeah. really about that, because they're about cinema, big words, old school. Yeah. And then you have yeah, yeah. these people who are trying to push the medium forward, but it could get into this uncanny valley. You know, you have films like The Irish uh, and Star Wars and all these other things where they're trying to de-age or up-age or what have you yeah, people. Yeah. And I think Ang Lee, because he made this film, which I haven't seen, and I really should, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walker or whatever it's called. And that's when he started working on this, um, I think it's higher frames per second frame rate per second films that's supposed to be watched on these special screens which there are only very few in the world that are able to do this i think it's is it 8k so we're getting into technological stuff well there are 8k screens yeah Yeah. but the similar thing with gemini man and when you and i watched it we just watched it on an old tv like it was wasn't even a a a new hd i i I really don't think if i watched that film on an 8k screen at 50 frames per second it's suddenly gonna be better I think that the lesson to be learned is it doesn't matter how far the technology goes, that doesn't make up for a terrible script and a terrible film. And Gemini Man felt, all the way through, you even said that to me, you said, this feels so old, this feels like the 90s. And you knew it because you, you instinctively, because you didn't know it was from this 25-year-old mm. script. But no. there was something about... By the way, uh, one thing I'd like to say, Will Smith got to watch his step a little bit his 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 career film choices of the last five years have been iffy at best you know we're talking sort of after earth suicide squad 
Bright, he, if he's not, he doesn't do something good, he's going to be a bit sort of past it. I think Bright was a better film than Gemini Man. Um, oh, you like the film I Robot. That was, that was, that was 15 ago. years ago. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, I Robot in my head feels like a new film, and it's not. It's 15 years old. But that's a film that you go to, which you feel that's an easy watch for you. You watched that again recently. I did, yeah. You? And you've watched that countless I don't times. mind I Robot. I think it's actually yeah. um, Darren Aronofsky. But in Gemini Man, I don't think I want to spend too much no, time not. in it because yeah, I don't. I, I only think it makes the point of we are struggling at the moment to have content which is made for 2020 but that is also an easy watch by the way just to refer it's Alex Proyas that did I read but not Baron don't know why I thought that sorry carry on I, I apologise I apologise I apologise yeah <laughs> um, is there such a thing as an easy watch now in 2020 is it the films by The Rock yeah they were easy watches yeah TV programs? Wouldn't know. Yeah. Wouldn't um, know. Well, we can too talk much, about... Too much choice. I mean, bless Netflix, Amazon, these guys, but man, they have just flooded the market and now I don't know which way to turn. I can talk about something which... We shouldn't be doing this nowadays. Like, we live in a world now where people want to identify as non-binary as much as they do as male or female and that is a person's right and the trans community has undergone a lot of um, scrutiny and discrimination over the years and there's there's increased scrutiny at the moment um, and I I'm a little bit more hesitant to say this because I want to be respectful of the fact that people are identifying differently and have different ideas. But I still think it's okay to say that there are traditional male and traditional female programmes, films, genres. And a series I've been watching, which I absolutely love, but which you have no interest in, interest in whatsoever, is Sweet Magnolias. That okay. is my ultimate female Easy Watch 2020. I wouldn't go so far as to call it trash TV, but there is a certain... I don't want to even say guilty pleasure. This is this is the interesting world we live in now, is that all of the descriptive categories I've used previously need to be reflected upon. And why should anything be a guilty pleasure? It, it should be a guilty pleasure for me to watch The Mummy because I just think it's disgraceful the way they treat Rachel Weisz's character. But Sweet Magnolias is a moderately budgeted 10 to 12 episode melodrama based on books about three best friends in a small town and the ups and downs of what happens in their lives and they're all of a certain age which is probably 30s 40s so it's definitely an up aging skewed demographic um, and it's probably aligned to something like Gilmore Girls more than it would ever be aligned to the Rock's uh, filmography um, and I found that immensely satisfying and addictive to watch. So I can't seem to watch every episode of The Plot Against America in a row, but I could easily have watched, I think it took me two days or three days to watch all of the episodes. And it was like a soap opera, and that's something that we never talk about on the podcast because you never watch 
um, soap operas. I don't anymore. I used to a lot when I was younger. And I don't know a lot of people who I talk to for the podcast who are interested in them. And maybe that's something that we can talk about because I do feel like watching soaps during the pandemic, there was definitely an increase. And now, especially in the UK... I thought they stopped production. Well, because well, no, they're, they're now trying to look at alternative avenues because people are crying out for the content. Used to be, when I were a lass, you only had two or three episodes maximum of EastEnders or Coronation Street or Brookside back in the day or Emmerdale Farm, as it was called. Crossroads. But yeah, El Dorado. But there was there were not five nights a week, and now these shows are you know the, the cast have to go through a lot of rigmarole um, because people are screaming for that content five nights a week, and I think that is an example of an easy watch. And I don't watch those, and I don't want to get back into watching those because I feel like it would drag me into something that's a commitment I don't want to make. The same as you were saying at the beginning of this podcast. Hmm. But Sweet Magnolias, a Netflix series. Oh, that soapy is the perfect example of pandemic viewing because I felt safe watching it. I felt represented because being made now, what this has over the mummy is that it will not play into those stereotypes. It will play into what modern audience desires. Mm -hmm. But it's also definitely playing to the everything's all right in this little town where our problem is someone stole money out of the till or someone might be dating someone they shouldn't be or and I, I'm the, the, well you know, like I'm like all programs of this nature um its attraction is providing is 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 of a lifestyle that is desirable to its viewers even if it doesn't necessarily resemble reality for its viewers um i always think something like Friends, for example, in a very simplistic way. Yeah, you go. And there's a big you, uptick you, at the moment. You go, you, you, you go to New York and you live in a giant apartment somewhere in Manhattan and you have these five friends that you're beck and call constantly. I guarantee you, for most people living in New York, their life is not like that. Especially not but at the moment. With it, the COVID. It, 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 is, it is a life that they would aspire to, they'd love to have, and hence yes. it's quite watchable because they think, oh, God, it would be great to do that. But it doesn't bear any resemblance to reality. For no, most but people. there's a difference between friends and um, Sweet Magnolias and this this is a bit unfair to Friends because I think it's dated now so that's why but I, I never felt like Friends was ever trying to deal with any issues of the time even no. then well it's a comedy it's it not going to do comedy. that yeah, yeah. comedies can still the comedies can still look at things like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or The, or the Good Place or, or, or there's plenty of other ones um, they will still address issues but do it in a humorous way <coughs> Friends was very white it was very upper middle class, like you said, in these affluent areas and these big apartments. And it was mostly about dating and love lives. And you know, there was occasional job stuff, wasn't there? I think the, their careers, they all, they all had jobs. Um, they all managed to, well, particularly Rachel, still managed to live in a very expensive looking apartment, despite the fact she was a waitress. Yeah, but, but she came from a very rich family. They, like, they make a, a point of it. But anyway, I agree with you. But Friends was never... You can't look to friends as any kind of example of social discourse. But but Sweet Magnolians is a drama. Mm. So yes, there's a bit of humour in it, but it's still making issues. It's still making comments on issues of the day. Like it's not something like Euphoria, which is, you know, a hard hitting drama about what it's like to be a certain kind of teen in America and like, you know, um, sending nudes and drugs and pressures of all sorts of things. Like that's something I just can't, watch 
because it's just too much in the other direction. Yeah, also, but, for, but I, I, I could be wrong about Euphoria, but I, I, I mean, it, it's I'm not the target audience, and I don't know. No, but, 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 you are. but but I would I would say feels like they were taking elements of stories that were told to them by certain teenagers and sort of turning that into a, a, into a lifestyle. Yeah. And I think mm, yeah. so sure. I mean, I don't think I can tell you my teen years, or, or, although a long time ago, I admit, <laughs> uh, were nothing like that. If it's all like that, I'd just be absolutely devastated for the state of the world and coronavirus should take us all now because none of those people seem... Well, it, it just feels sensationalised a bit to me that like that's not the well, reality. Well, all TV is, you know? There's something like Hollywood, which I never really got into, which is where they reimagined the golden era, but where... Um, it's Ryan Murphy show, I think, where um, the characters all... You know, you've got to be gay instead of Rock Hudson like hiding it you know mm. you've got to be a trans character you've got to be a black successful actress you know and it's like there's there's a certain it's the same thing about Hamilton so I watched Hamilton that mm. came out see because I really have established in this podcast that I've spent done nothing with my time to yeah. watch TV and there's a lot of outrage at the moment because of the times we're living in which I don't think we would have gotten a year or two ago when Hamilton was big on stage about how the black or the people of colour, should I say, playing um, white characters yeah. is demeaning to the real story of slaves and other people put down by Alexander Hamilton and all of these people, which, which I don't necessarily agree with because I would much rather have all of the historical characters played by a wide variety of of. Um, yeah, you can't have it all ways, can you? That's the thing. Well, it also, it's based uh, on fact. W- would you... you can have a slave play. You can have a play that talks about the slave experience. You, it may be Lynn Miranda um, could have, like... Um, sorry, Lynn Manuel Miranda? Uh, would she... you have rather have a white person playing the role, is the question. Well, no. But I think the problem is is that you, you show social progress by there being the next complaint. So the first mm. complaint was... If, if someone else had written this play, oh, it's yeah. all white people. So it's not. It's all people of colour. And there's no difference in it. And it's also great because people get to play these roles. And I like it. I just like seeing different people on stage. And I also liked learning about uh, Hamilton and the Founding Fathers and all of that. To the extent that, you know, it's true what Miranda does. Um, but then it's almost as if people are searching for the next critique. How can we push this further? Well, hang on a minute. Are you being detrimental to the slave experience? Now, I can't talk for every person that watches Hamilton, but if you know a little bit about it, you know that everyone on stage was white Mm. in reality. And I don't think by portraying them as people of colour, that means you're somehow like not talking about slave experience people have also criticised and said Hamilton had slaves and Miranda doesn't make any issue about that but uh, that's all by the by I've read different accounts of that Um, but I just feel like Hamilton was a really good experience I enjoyed it Mm. Yeah. Um, even then it didn't really go far enough with the female characters that just shows you when you're trying to document history I think the next thing, I was thinking about this when I was watching it, I was like, what about if you had all female people of colour playing the Hamilton characters and men playing the female characters? That would be the next way <laughs> to do it. You have female Hamlets all the time now. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's possible. Um, but I think we should wrap up with 
recommendations of all these things that we've watched. Oh, hmm. cool, good question. For viewers. So, of all the things we've talked oh, about... That's a really good one. Yeah. What have you most enjoyed? Not Gemini Man. Not Gemini Man. So, we're not putting that... You know what? I would say you know it what? looks very you should watch. Yeah, you should watch Gemini Man. You know what? You should watch Gemini Man. Uh... It's two hours of life you won't be getting back, but well, you know, at least you'll know. Thing. At least you'll know. Um, also, you haven't mentioned Will Smith's sad face, which is an important part oh, of Gemini. Yeah, what is up with that? What is up with that? Well, let's not say any more because it spoils an important part. No, it's just that... Look out for Will Smith's sad it's face. It's just sad face constantly, yeah. isn't it? Ooh, <laughs> bottom lip out. <laughs> um, God, I don't know, really. Um, if, you, if it was up to me, I'd just hark back to any film from... The 90s. Yeah, or, or even the 80s, quite yeah. frankly. Um, when I just think that life was a lot simpler, shall we Shall we say. Um, I don't think you should be looking for high quality there always. Or Bechdel. Uh, yeah. There's that yeah. Um, it's. I think it depends how old you are as well. If you're at my age, then you're going to go back to that because... Um, oh, no, I think this is for young people. So some of it, young people have never seen these films before. True, but then I ask myself whether I'm watching it because I've seen them before. If you say um, to someone who's 22, mm-hmm. The Mummy, yeah. they'll be like, that shit Tom Cruise film? Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, but they didn't sort of they weren't at they weren't they weren't there man they, they, they don't know they weren't there um when the film was released and you know it was all a bit of a laugh and so on and so forth um i i mean i i think as it so happens that there are certain films that are that i will always put on a pedestal due to my age that it's got nothing to do with the necessarily quality of the film mm-hmm. um jaws 2 is one of them for bizarre reasons it's not a bad film actually in my view um, but you know I think if you're on my any film from the 90s but I think you have to be you know a bit older to get the appreciation level. I, I don't think someone 22 I think what they might do is go back 10 years maybe but I'd still like to hear their opinion on those yeah. films from the 90s well yeah I, I, I would as well but yeah. they might sit there going oh man Hobbit. I first Hobbit then, film. First Hobbit film. There's a feel-good movie. Um, I think Clueless is now 25 years old. And unfortunately, this is the problem with reviewing things from 25 years ago, mm. is that I read some reviews of people watching it now, and they're not big fans. They think there's some predatory, half-brother rapey stuff with Paul Rudd and Mrs. Silverstone. There's a lot of controlling of women. There's a lot of virgin shaming. There's a lot of obsession with your looks. And I'm like... Wow, I agree with every single one of these criticisms, and yet I love Clueless, made by a woman. Uh, yeah. Maybe heckling, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it, well, look, I mean, it's of its time. Um, I think it. I quite enjoyed Clueless. Um, I would say so. I'll give a pair. If you've got like I don't know, eight hours to spare, you want a perfect day's viewing. I think. You watch Clueless, then you watch Hamilton, then you watch an episode of Mrs. America, and then you watch The Mummy. Okay. And I think you've got the breadth then. Or it, or the or the Mummy or uh something by the rock. Yeah. Or, <laughs> so rock or you could just watch Or you're saying just Fellowship watch of the Ring once. once. <laughs> just once through. That's all you that's all you'll get. <laughs> but I think that that gives you a nice range of Easy watch but problematic versus modern watch but not quite as 
relaxing yeah i mean just as my my final point on yeah. this do, i don't think you should underestimate how important time is a fact how important when you watch films for the first time actually is mm. in terms of how you view mm. them and uh i'm sure you would never have heard a bad word said about clueless but there are people that would watch it now that would say yeah it's it's, it's woefully dated but then you, when you're viewing films you tend to do so, you've got to do so in the context of the time that they're made. You can't, mm-hmm. otherwise you end up with a mess on your hands. And the reason why we like these films, I think, is because of they just hark back to a different time period for us more than anything. Yeah, so it's almost, uh, when we talk about separating art from artists, this is also about separating the past from the present. Yeah, especially when the present sucks. Uh, yeah, but the past sucks in a different way. Isn't this what we've established? Well, this is where age comes into play because the past is is when you when you were younger and and less concerned about and such, for such me, things. Less feminist and didn't realise how discriminated I was. Of course, and, and I'm not saying the mes- I'm not saying the messaging was more progressive. It it, ca- it can't have been quite clearly, but at the same time. Uh, anything that reminds you of being 10 or 15 years old is, is, is always going to sort of like make you feel nostalgic final question mm. Lord of the Rings comes out 2021 all the characters are gender reversed yeah huh you still watching be interesting to see it I think I don't know how I would feel about it I, I, I've, I've still bothered about the length far more than I am about the fucking gender roles that's good enough for me mm. thanks <laughs> Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Beyond Beckdale. Season three is in the works and hopefully will be coming out at some point in the autumn. If you have any comments or want to contact us, you can contact us on Twitter or Gmail and the contact details are in the show notes. Thank you to Nick for talking to me. Thank you to The Rock and for Rachel Weiss and all the other amazing people making easy watch or difficult watch content during the pandemic. We will see you soon. Bye. Have you no respect for the dead? (laughs) Of course I do, but sometimes I'd rather like to join them. Well, I wish you would do it sooner rather than later before you ruin my career the way you've ruined yours. Now get out. I'm looking for a mind that works.